Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Josh. My name is Josh, and I am a compulsive overeater. And I have pictures to prove it. So exciting. So all you people online have to (laughs) hear about it. But you guys get to see it. So here you go. And um, congratulations, Martha and Lisa, on your birthdays. And thank you, Martha, for asking me to share. And congrats on the chip takers. And welcome to the newcomers. We have, I think, what, five newcomers at the meeting. And, and, and really, welcome. Welcome to Readers Anonymous. And welcome home. Um, well, I'll share what it was like. Um, but to get the numbers out of the way, because I will forget otherwise. Uh, June 29th, I celebrated 10 years of abstinence, one day at a time. And uh, my top weight, and that's God, um, and my top weight is 260 pounds. And um, I don't remember a time where I wasn't a compulsive overeater. I was always um, sort of heavier growing up. And um, I don't remember a time where I didn't have a different relationship with food. Um, My favorite story to tell um, is I was eight years old, and I was going to be going on a car trip with my dad. Not with my dad, with my friends um, and my friend's dad. And it was going to be an hour and a half car trip. And um, I got excited, and I went to the pantry at at my house, and I got two grocery bags, and I filled them up with food. And I remember exactly what I put in those two grocery bags still, um, what food, and I was excited for this hour and a half car trip, and I got in the car, and my friend's dad turns to me in the back seat and says, Josh, there's no eating in the car. (laughs) And I was upset, I was angry, I was scared. Um, and I did not know how I was going to get through that hour and a half car ride without my food. Um, and that's, that's what it was like. Um, I'd get home um, from school, and my first question to my mom would be, what's for dinner? Um, and there, my mom's a great cook. Um, and most of the time it would be something really good and exciting, and it would make my night. Um, and everything would be just great. Um, but sometimes... It would be something that I wasn't in the mood for, um, something that I didn't want. And if that was the case, I would feel deprived. I would feel scared. I wouldn't know how I was going to get through the night. Um, And this was, I was going to have food. I was going to be nourished. It wasn't like I wasn't going to be able to eat. But I wasn't going to eat what Josh wanted, when I wanted it. And that would be enough to completely ruin my night. Um, And... um, I, you know, got to middle school and would um, be made fun of for um, for being overweight um, and, you know, got some advice that if I, um, you know, made fun of myself, if I um, made fun of myself, it wouldn't, it would, it would preclude other people from making fun of me because if I was laughing at myself, um, then no one would want to make fun of me about it. Um, so I sort of like completely internalized that and made that my um, complete identity was my weight and my food. Um, And it was also that I could continue to eat the way that I needed to eat. 
Um, and it was an easy way for me to justify it. And it worked, and it made me, and I thought, you know, it made me really popular. I had all these friends, you know. I had this whole, like, rap song about fast food and different things. Um, and um, before I got into program, I was afraid to look the way that I look today. I did not want to um, take off the weight before I came into program, because I didn't want to have to be vulnerable. I didn't want to have to look like this. I didn't want to have to be real with people. I wanted the weight as the barrier, um, and I wanted the food to, to, to numb everything. And I came in young. I came in at 19 years old, um, and, um, and the food was still working. They talk about in the big book, you know, when, um, when the food stops working, or when the, when the alcohol stops working. Um, and that's a really scary place where it stops, you know, I mean, that, that can be like the suicide, you know, place. Well, it was still, for the most part, really, you know, numbing me out, numbing me out but I mean, it's, it, it, it did, it did get ugly, and I'll, you know, and I'll talk about that. Um, but, um, I remember in high school, um, they asked me, um, at school, what, what do you want to do for a career? Um, as I was starting to look into, you know, colleges and that kind of stuff. So I went home and I asked my parents, you know, what they thought. And they had great advice. They said, Josh, you should do something that you love. Um, if you do something that you love, it won't feel like a job. Um, so I thought about it and I thought about it. And, um, and I came up with it. And people are laughing because some people have heard my story. But um, it's, uh, I was going to be a food critic. That was the plan. Um, I thought if I could get paid to eat then I got it made, because I'm going to do it anyways, and that's all I wanted to do, so I might as well get paid for it. Um, and I thought it was a great idea. I had taken steps to do it. Um, I was, you know, writing in the high school newspaper. I had this food journal that I take around. Uh, the biggest problem was I wasn't terribly critical. Um, I was mostly interested in portion sizes and prices and things that um, non-compulsive readers weren't really interested in. Um, and... Um, and, you know, when I got my license, it got, it got really bad with the food, especially when I got to college, um, because I could get what I wanted when I wanted it. Um, I can tell you every single 24-hour drive through in an hour radius from here. And the reason I can do that is because I went to school an hour east of here, so I know all the, the drive throughs um, And if it was greasy, if it was hot, if it was a burger, if it was fried, if it was Dr. Pepper, if it was a milkshake, I was interested in it. Um, if it was a donut, great. If not, it, um, that stuff worked. It would really, you know, get the job done. Um, and I'd go to the drive-thru oftentimes twice in a night. You know, I'd go to the dorm, and they'd have dinner, um, and it would be all you can eat because it was like, dor- um, you know, dorm food. And then, um, and then I'd go to the drive-thru, um, usually the one that closes on 1 a.m. during the week and 1.30 a.m. on the weekends. Um, and I'd get there, um, and I'd always bring someone else with me. Um, that, was, that was important. Um, I felt like if there was somebody else there with me when I went to the drive-thru, that it was okay, that I wasn't doing anything wrong. It didn't matter that they were ordering a lot less than me. Um, it just mattered that they saw what I was ordering and that I was eating. It wasn't until I came into this program that I was able to have a meal by myself and feel comfortable and be okay with that. I wasn't, uh, you know, close the drapes, 
um, and, and eat by myself all the time. I felt like if someone else was there, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was okay what I was doing. Um, but I'd go to the drive-thru. The, the I'd have dinner. I'd go to the drive-thru before one, and then I'd go to the drive-thru again, and I'd go at like three or four in the morning, and I'd have to find someone else to go with me, because the same person didn't want to go, you know, that had gone a couple hours before, and that was hard to do, um, and, you know, other people were interested in um, other things, you know, in college, and other, you know, substances, and those really didn't interest me, so I'd always be sober and okay to drive, and I'd say, oh, I'll drive, um, and, you know, get people to go with me that way, um, and that's what it was, that's what it was like. I would, um, I'd have stomach pain from the amount that I'd be eating. Um, I would be sitting on the toilet, literally with diarrhea, saying to myself, Josh, you can't eat like this anymore. Like, you can't do this. Um, and then 45 minutes later, an hour later, an hour and a half later, um, not when I was hungry, because um, rarely... Rarely did I ever allow myself to feel hunger. Um, but when I was physically able to eat again, when I was physically able to eat, I'd be eating again. Um, and that's what it was like um, before I came into this program. Um, so, what happened? Um, I was going into my junior year of college, um, and... Um, I started to do, like, exercise for the first time in years because I wasn't interested in anything like that, um, any sort of athletic activities. I was never good at that kind of stuff growing up, and it would hinder from my um, eating. Um, and um, my, um, my dad um, came into program, February will be 15 years, and um, he, um, I had grown up seeing him sort of go, um, up and down with his weight, go on to different diets and, you know, and different stuff. And then 15 years ago, you know, five, you know, almost five years before I came in, um, I saw, you know, he had started Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and he had what I now understand to be a sort of sense of serenity um, around the food. Um, and, you know, and something, you know, something was different this time. It, you know, it was lasting longer and it was sort of... Um, wasn't like the, you know, the white, you know, the white knuckle from before. Um, and I don't have a history, you know, of dieting. The only other time I had, you know, lost weight um, before I came in to program um, was when I had gone on a summer trip um, and there was lots of walking around and, um, and the food wasn't great and I ended up losing like 20 or 30 pounds and I got back and everyone said, oh, the hard part's losing the weight, which is not true. Um, but, um, and, um, you know, just keep it off. And um, at that point, you know, I was in high school and it was such a big part of my personality and I needed the food that I consciously made a decision to, you know, gain the weight back and, and some. Um, so, I, you know, I was thinking, do I want to look at this food thing, you know, at 19 years old? And um, I asked my dad about Overeaters Anonymous. And instead of talking to me about it, instead of giving me literature, he brought me to my first meeting. And we went to the Serenity Sunday meeting at Roxbury Park. Uh, we went to the newcomer meeting at 10 a.m., and we went to the main meeting at 1030. Um, that's still my home meeting every week. You'll see me there tomorrow if, you, um, if you'll be there. I know some, some of the people in this room will be there. Um, and um, the speaker at the 1030 meeting got up there and said he'd lost over 100 pounds. Um, he'd been maintaining the weight loss for years. 
Um, I was completely blown away. Like, I just couldn't believe it. I hadn't heard of anything like that. Um, and he talked about food in the ways that I just described it to you guys. And, um, and he, you know, he had this huge belt buckle that he was showing, you know, where it is on him now. And I was just, you know, I, I knew I was home. I knew it was for me. Um, then he started talking about God, and I didn't know why. Um, and he was talking about these 12 steps. I didn't know what they were. Um, but, um, you know, but I was intrigued. And a guy came up to me after the meeting, and um, he said, um, he looked totally normal. He's about my age. He was in his, you know, um, I think in his, in his 30s, younger guy, um, looked totally normal. And he said, Josh, I used to be 400 pounds, and here's my number. So I called him. And he said to me, um, he said, Josh, before, you know, the, be- the best advice I can give you is before you make up your mind on this program, go to six meetings. Um, because if you go to enough meetings, you, you might even hear your story. Um, and, um, you know, and between everything, I was, in, you know, intrigued enough to, to go to more meetings. So if you're new, go to at least, um, go to at least six meetings. I have heard my story from this podium and from other podiums from people who on the outside I would have little to nothing in common with, okay? We may be, you know, different in, um, in every sense if, if, you, if you compared us. So we wouldn't meet for any other reason but for, but for these rooms. But when we start talking about this disease and when we start talking about um, being compulsive overeater and food, I'm exactly the same. We have the same exact story. And I can, you know, relate to these people and, you know, I've had amazing relationships with these people um, that, you know, um, that, that, that have, you know, the same story as me that I never, you know, would have known um, before this. Um, like, you know, my sponsor, and I'll definitely be wanting to talk about my sponsor because my sponsor is my sponsor because he has what I want. Um, he's got over 25 years of abstinence. Um, He's got a spiritual connection with his higher power that I want. Um, he, you know, works the steps. He still does like a, you know, a step work, you know, workshop every week. Um, he um, he makes more outreach calls in this program than anybody that I know. Um, every time I call him, he either picks up or calls me back that day. Um, and it's amazing. And what that means is when I sponsor people or when I get calls in this program, I'm going to take that call and I'm going to call them back. And that saves me. Um, and, um, and that's what I need. And I, you know, it had sponsors before that in this program where it didn't work because I wasn't, you know, connecting enough. Um, and today I, you know, um, was making outreach calls, and I, I make, I do make outreach calls. Um, and today was one of those days where it was like, it wasn't until the seventh call that I got through to someone. I'm like, you know, but I got through. Um, and, um, and sometimes, you know, that's, that's what it takes. And outreach calls are great because it's like, you can call, and, um, you don't even have to say anything. You can just call someone and say, you know, this is, Je- you know, Josh from program. How are you doing? And then people love to talk and they'll tell you. And then, you know, by the end of like the two or three minute conversation, like I'm not necessarily thinking about, um, what it was, you know, in, in terms of why, you know, I was calling or whatever it is that, that, that came up. And, you know, when things do come up, I can, I can talk about that and I can own it. I don't have to hide it. Um, we were just on a, 
on a um, family vacation, and we had gone to Hawaii, and it was great, and it was gorgeous. Um, and we went to we went to a meeting over there. Um, and if you don't think we have it good in Los Angeles, you have no idea um, in terms of meetings. I mean, we have meetings all the time. We have meetings in all parts of the town in the morning, at lunchtime, and at night. And it's amazing. And you go there, they have, I think, three meetings for the entire week. Um, and, the you know, people over there, that this... Um, this candle, I think, this this is the first meeting that started doing um, the podcast, and this is an amazing thing to be able to carry the message um, through through the through the podcast. I've been on um, on trips where I've you know I download the, the stuff onto you know the iPod or whatever, and I've listened to speakers like in all over the world because I can have a meeting at any time. You know, by you know, by listening to this, and it's really amazing because sometimes it's not possible to get to face-to-face meetings, um, but sometimes it is. And there, I've been to some really cool like meetings. Like I went to a meeting in in Bangkok, Thailand, and um, there were like four Americans that were there, but they were um, starting to translate the OA 12 and 12 into Thai, um, and that was amazing. Um, early in program, like six months in, I was studying abroad in Australia, and um, and I didn't know what to do, and this was before the, any of the online stuff, and someone from program gave me a bunch of OA tapes, and I brought those with a tape player, and then I found a meeting, and there was a meeting on Saturday right by the university that I went to. I got a sponsor out there. She sponsored me. She took me through the sixth and seventh step, um, and because um, I couldn't make, it wasn't reasonable to make phone calls back to the, to the States, and I was, you know, making calls and, and going to meetings over there, and I had a home meeting um, while I was there for four months, and that was a really cool thing. Um, but, um, but yeah, I feel like I got slightly sidetracked um, somewhere. But um, when, I, when, I first, when I first came in, um, and I'd gone to the meetings, I, you know, decided I was willing to do whatever it takes and, like I said, I'd, I'd heard people talking about these steps and abstinence, and I didn't know what any of it meant. Um, and I was told to get a sponsor. And my f- first sponsor I had a really hard time getting um, because I couldn't find um, a guy to sponsor me. There weren't as many guys in program. So I went to this men's stag meeting um, in Brentwood. It was actually literally across the street from here. It's now in Westwood. Um, and I went through the whole meeting, and they didn't um, announce sponsors, so I didn't know who sponsored after the meeting, and that was why I had gone. So um, after the meeting had ended, and this was like two, three weeks into program, um, I said, look, you know, I've been coming to meetings. I'm looking for a sponsor. Can someone help me out? And three guys came up to me and gave me their numbers and said they would sponsor me, and that's how I got my first sponsor. And... Um, he, you know, had me get this book, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and we started working, working the 12 steps. We, you know, started going through the doctor's opinion and through Bill's story, um, and um, and that, you know, and, and then we figured out what, um, you know, what abstinence um, was for me, and. Um, and I'll talk about that for a minute now because anytime I do open up to questions, it's usually one of the ones I get, um, which is what is my abstinence. And um, for um, for me, I have an abstinence and I have my food plan. Um, my abstinence has to do with how much I eat 
and my food plan has to do with what I eat. And my abstinence is three meals and an optional snack. And, um, and that's it. And that's, that's my bottom line in terms of how much I eat. Sometimes that'll change if, like, I'm traveling or something like that and I'm up more hours, but it would be something that I would talk to with my sponsor. It's very important for me um, that I know what my abstinence is and that's clear. It's also important to me that my sponsor knows what my abstinence is and that it's clear. And so it's important, you know, when I work with sponsees, I always tell them, you know, that, that we work it out. Um, because uh, um, everyone's, you know, absence in a way can be different. Like, my absence is different than my sponsor's, and I have people that I sponsor that have a different absence than me. Uh, mine has to do with, um, like, what, what kind of, you know, behaviors and foods trigger me. And so I came up, you know, with a food plan with my sponsor also, um, which broke down into three different categories which was um, um, red light, green light, red light, yellow light, and green light foods. The red light foods are the foods that, were, that are alcoholic for me, the foods that if I start eating them, I can't stop. And so, you know, I made a list of those kinds of foods. For me, it was like, you know, the fried stuff and the burgers, and, you know, popcorn was a big thing for me because um, I go to the movies and I'd literally eat two large popcorns because um, they were free refills. So <laughs> it was great. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're different things. Dessert, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And um, and then yellow light foods are foods, and I, you know, and that, that's just for me. And the yellow light foods were foods where, like, I could eat, but I need to be really careful. Um, or I can eat them today, but if they're coming up all the time, like, I need to, you know, talk to my sponsor or, and, and think about that. And then um, green light foods are really exciting because those are the foods that I can eat and it's not usually an issue. And all of this is all within, you know, the absence of three meals a day. Um, so, you know, I call my sponsor every day and I commit to my three abstinent meals just for today. Um, and I call, you know, I call my sponsor every day and I'll call him with different issues and he always has the same advice for me. And it's never advice. It's always, well, Josh, can I share with you my experience? I'm like, yeah, of course you can share with me your experience. I've been calling you every day for like five or six years. You know? Like, I want, you know, this is what I want. And what I want is I want him to tell me like exactly, you know, what, you know, what I should do and, you know, whether or not I'm right, you know, and all that stuff. And it's, um, and it's always the same. It's always, well, Josh, uh, my experience is um, that if I write on it and if I pray on it, that God will take care of it. And so it's always like, did you write on it? And it's always no. Like, I never have written on it. Um, and it's, you know, and it's, did you pray on it? And a lot of times it's no, too, because I forget. And that's why I have to call my sponsor every day, because I forget. And that's why I have to come to these meetings, because I forget. Um, I have a disease that wants to tell me that I don't have this disease. Um, and I do. I qualify for this program. I earn my seat. Um, and, um, one of my favorite things to hear about is relapse, um, at, at, at meetings because I, you know, I, I need to, I need to know that, that I am completely powerless over food and that my life is unmanageable. If I'm into this food, nothing else matters, nothing else. And, um, and it's so, it's so easy to get there. You know, it can start with, you know, not making the calls and then, you know, not bringing, you know, my higher power into it and not doing the steps and not going to meetings and, 
then, you know, a little bit of extra this, and then all of a sudden, you know. Um, and um, for today, I don't have to go there. And um, another reason why I love working with newcomers, I'm newcomer contact right now at the meeting. That's one of my favorite, like, service positions to do um, because um, I get to talk to the newcomer. And I get to remember what it was like to, to be like, wow, um, like, how do you get through one day? Like, how do you do it? Um, and, um, and, and, that, and that's what this, this program is. It's one day at a time. It's one moment at a time. And um, if I can, you know, take the step back and bring my, bring my higher power into my day, um, everything's a lot better. Today, I was living, I was trying to live in next week, in next month. I was projecting about all sorts of, you know, work things that are mostly, if you look at them from the outside, are very exciting. But if you look at them, you know, from me, it's, I'm focusing on all, the, on all the negative stuff. But the thing is, I'm focusing on next week. I'm focusing on next month. I'm focusing on a year from now. I'm focusing on six months from now. But really, I just need to get through today. And today, I can do. Um, Bill W. and Dr. Bob were having a really hard time getting a third person sober. Um, and they went to another, um, uh, another um, Bill, who's AA number three. And he was a total hopeless drunk. Um, and um, he had every reason to get sober, and he couldn't do it. And he kept falling off. And, and they said to him, well, do you think you could you know, get through one day? He said, of course I can get through one day. Anyone can get through one day. And, that, and they said, well, that's all we're asking you to do. And that's it. Um, if you're new, you know, just keep coming back. Um, it, it really works if you work it. It's all true. Like, I love all the little things. I love the, um, if you, um, if you fail, if you, uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You know, I like, I love all that stuff. And, um, and I have ten minutes left, so I should probably open it up to some questions if we do have some. So. Okay. So the question was, um, how do I remember that I have a higher power today? And do I have any routine with that? Um, well, I get to first tell you that I do have a threefold disease. Um, and it's a physical and that was easy for me to understand when I first came in because I kept, you know, eating and it would manifest itself in my physical appearance and I couldn't stop. I'd have the physical phenomenon of craving when I start. Um, I also have an emotional disease um, and I have a spiritual disease as well. Um, and before I came to this program, I had, you know, a God-sized hole and I didn't realize that I had a spiritual problem. Um, before before I came into program, um, if you asked me if I believe in God, I probably you know I would have told you yes. Um, but um, if you asked me if I thought about God on a daily basis, I definitely, or if I thought that God was concerned with you know my life on a daily basis, I certainly would have said no. Um, and it wasn't something that I was trying to um, connect with um, before I came into program. Um, one of the things that was really important to me, uh, what, important in my recovery when I first came in, was that, you know, I had a, um, I called someone who had 
you know, 20 plus years in the program, and he told me part of his routine in, in terms of like waking up and, and, and praying and meditating every day. And I, you know, would do that. I would read the four today, and um, I would do some prayers and do the serenity prayer. And, you know, when I got to the third step, do the third step prayer. Um, and then I would pray to God to just give me the strength to get through the next 24 hours without compulsively overeating. Like, God, please, please give me the strength to just get through the, the next 24 hours without compulsively overeating. Um, and um, I'll, you know, now I'll call my sponsor and there'll be times where I'm like, you know, I think I need the serenity prayer. Do you want to say the serenity prayer? He's like, yeah, let's do that. I need that too. <laughs> and we'll say it together um, on the phone. Not every um, phone conversation, um, but we will do that. Um, oftentimes I'll be um, interacting with, you know, with other people or, um, interacting, you know, with my wife, and she'll say something, and I'll want to react right away. Um, and oftentimes, if I don't react, and I take the step back, and I, you know, and I pray and wait, I'm a lot, um, my response gets, elicits a much better response from her, um, than if I, um, go, you know, right at it, and try to, to try to run it with my will, but I don't always do that, and, um, and then I have to, you know, own that and take that. Um, yeah, I try to, you know, do the do the prayers in the morning. Um, but I also try to, you know, do it throughout the day. But I forget. And that's why I have to call my sponsor and go to the meeting so that I can be um, reminded of that stuff. So the question was, um, if I get food, calling, or cravings during the day, what steps do I take to avoid um, compulsively overeating today and to, to abstain um, today? And um, for the most part, if I do get the cravings, it'll be um, at night. It'll be like I've already had dinner, and I'm driving home by myself, and all of a sudden I see the drive through and I'm like, huh, <laughs> that seems interesting. And, um, and, then I'll ma- and then usually what I'll do is I'll make a call um, until I get through, to, get through to someone. I know people that I can call um, late night. And what happens is it's usually something else that's going on. Um, that makes it that that's the case. Um, one of the miracles of this program is that for the most part, and not every day, but for the most part, the obsession with the food has been lifted. Um, obviously, there are days where it does call, and that you know, for whatever reason. Um, but for the most part, it's not. Um, it's not like it's not calling me all the time. There are you know times that it will, and we were on this trip, and there were you know, breakfast buffets and all these things. And, of course, you know, the food was, um, you know, was bigger there uh, out of the routine. And I go on a vacation, and believe it or not, my um, my disease does not take a vacation. I know, it's shocking. Um, and it's, you know, totally there. And um, and part of that is, is, is owning it and not being afraid of it and sharing about it and talking to my sponsor about that. Um but um but yeah so what when the when the food does call I you know really I really you know I try to make the calls one of the things I learned early on was if you make the phone calls when things are good when things are going well then when things um aren't going well when it, when it does call um or whatever whatever's happening then you're still making the calls and it's a lot easier than to just oh I'll just make the call if something comes up but if I'm making the calls anyways you know when things are going great then when things are tougher, um, when, you know, outside um, things do happen, 
uh, when life happens, um, I'm still, you know, I'm still making the calls because that's what I need. And um, it's amazing to have um, a wife and a family, you know, that's so supportive of it. And she'll literally, you know, encourage me to, you know, go to meetings because she knows um, that I'm, you know, a better husband if I'm going to these meetings. Um, and it's like, you know, if I want, and, and with, with her, it's like, and I love the, the, if I want to be a better, if I want to have a better wife, I need to be a better husband. Um, and, and that's totally true and something I've, you know, learned in these rooms. And even something like that, having that kind of intimate relationship with someone is not something that was even fathomable before I came into program. I didn't have any sort of um, intimate relationship um, with anybody before I came in, and I wasn't um, emotionally um, capable of that. And um, I remember um, my um, my bar mitzvah. It was all about the food. It was really exciting. <laughs> I remember picking out all the food and that stuff. And then at our wedding. Um, it was all about getting married. It was an amazing thing, you know, that, that, to have that, that transformation. Um, you know, I didn't have wedding cake at my wedding, and that was totally perfect and amazing um, that I, you know, didn't have to do that. And it wasn't about that. It was about, it was actually about getting married. It was about, um, it, we, had, we were able to have, like, a spiritual um, connection. And I would not have been capable of that if it wasn't for, the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous, if it wasn't for um, this program. Thank you. All right. <laughs> that is all the time we have. Apparently, I take 10 minutes to answer two questions.